today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, let's begin with verse 1, Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Notice he said there is therefore now, right now. Not in eternity future, but right now in this life, there is no condemnation. Condemnation is a state. It is not an emotion. There are people in the prison system right now, they are condemned. Uh, They have committed crimes, and sentence has been passed on them. Uh, They've been sentenced to death. They are condemned. And you can imagine the emotions that are tied with that and Paul was under condemnation he was trying to live for God by the means of law found himself constantly failing and the wages of sin is death when you break God's law then there are consequences to it and the emotions that go along with Failing God is so bad. Paul likened it. He said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It was so bad. The condemnation was so bad. Paul went back to something that the Egyptians used to do in their history when they would take a criminal and bind them to a corpse. And, of course, you know what would happen there. The person would die, and you can imagine how awful that was. But this is what Paul likened his situation to, trying to live for God and failing, and he didn't understand why. He said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Paul used that term over a hundred times in the New Testament. In Christ Jesus, in the faith. And, and words of that nature. And every time when he says, in Christ Jesus, you need to understand how that occurred, how that took place, where that took place. Tonight, if you're saved, you are in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. That union took place at Calvary's cross. Romans chapter 6 Verse 3, know you not as many of us as was baptized. The word baptized means union, 
baptized into Jesus Christ, baptized into his death, raised with him to walk in a newness of life. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk, who walk, order their behavior after the flesh and after the spirit. Now, I want you to look at that portion there. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. A lot of people have the idea that walking in the flesh is like, well, let me give you an example. I'm, I'm pretty sure there are some tonight that are sitting at home looking at TV rather than being here in the church. They ain't have nothing else going on. They feel fine. They could have been here tonight, but instead they chose to sit at the house and watch America's Got Talent or whatever else is on the TV. There are some people who Sunday morning comes around, they much rather be out there in the fishing boat fishing or hunting than being in church on Sunday morning. And most Christians look at that and they say, well, that's walking after the flesh. That's walking after the flesh. Instead of listening to godly programming on the radio, they listen to secular stuff. That's walking in the flesh. So that's what most people have, the idea of walking after the flesh. And then you ask them, well, give me an example of walking after the Spirit. Well, that would be somebody that, you know, instead of sitting there watching television, they'll read their Bible every night. And someone who's there every time the church door is open. Someone who puts a little extra in the offering plate when it goes around. And these are spiritual things. Let me tell you, both of what I've just mentioned and the examples I've just given, if you're not careful, all of that is in the flesh. And do, do you follow what I'm saying? All right, and let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now, as we get on down in here, we're going to look at some of the things Paul was doing that were works of the flesh, what he classified as being works of the flesh. But uh, there were so many other good things there as we come down to it. I figure we'd just go ahead and start at verse 1, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Notice that. He used in the Lord, in Christ Jesus, in the faith. And every time he uses that term, he's referring to Christ and his finished work. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. In other words, I'm telling you these things to warn you um, to keep you safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Now, Paul is referring to the Judaizers who they, they were saved. They had accepted Christ as their Savior, but they were not emphasizing Christ so much as they were emphasizing law-keeping. 
And they were emphasizing circumcision. And Paul said there, if you'll look in verse 3, for we, talking about believers, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. Now, we all know what circumcision is. We know what physical circumcision is. But what Paul is referring to here, that worship God in the Spirit, there is a spiritual circumcision that takes place the moment you get saved. As the Holy Spirit comes inside, there is a spiritual circumcision and and the the sin nature is cut off. It is rendered ineffective. It is put in a state of remission. And Colossians chapter 2 verse 11, Paul referred to it as a circumcision made without hands. See, and that's where the sin nature gets cut off. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Again, notice that, in Christ Jesus. And have, con- and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Pretty much what Paul is saying here is that he used to have his faith in the doing of certain things. He had his faith in law-keeping. He was chief knucklehead number one. Now he's going to start listing the things he used to do or the things he used to hold up here as a, as a high level. This is what used to get me brownie points for God. Look at verse 5. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Now, most of these things that he's listed here are good things other than persecuting the church. But most of these were good things, and Paul benefited from these things. But he gave all of that up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me also say, we have to come to the same place. Whatever else we're trusting in other than Christ and His finished work, we've got to give that up. We've got to set that aside. And Paul said, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ. What he gave up was nothing compared to what Christ gave him in return. Can I get an amen? We don't give up anything for the Lord what he won't give it back to us in some way, uh, shape, form, or fashion. And be found in him. Notice that again, in him. Let me say this. When the time comes and the Lord calls us home, there's only one thing that's going to matter. Are you in him? I know a lot of people that are in church, but they ain't in Christ. I don't care how much you're in church, 
When you stand before God one day, He ain't going to count up how many times you were in church. He wants to know one thing. Are you in Christ? When I see the blood, I will pass over you and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. That's self-righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what the Bible says. Which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. God demands righteousness and holiness. Okay? Without, without holiness, no man shall see God. The problem is we have no way to produce righteousness and holiness because the flesh has been so weakened by the fall. But God requires that we have it. That's the only way we're going to get to heaven is through and by righteousness. But it's not righteousness as man defines it. It's righteousness as God defines it. So for God to require that, knowing that we can't have it, that's not fair. But now if God offers it to us and there's a way that we can obtain it, He's giving us His righteousness. Because when Jesus died on Calvary, that's where it all took place. He took our sins and gave us His righteousness. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him. you got to know Him. That speaks of relationship. You can't get to know somebody if you don't spend time with them. And you talk with them, and they talk to you. you, you and I, I'll say this, you can't have a relationship with God if you don't have a prayer life. You hear me? You cannot have a relationship, relationship with Christ if you don't have a, a prayer life. A time where you go to the Lord on a daily basis in your prayer closet, and you talk to Him, and, and He talks to you. He talks to you through His Word. This, this is God's text message to us. It's in His Word. And some people have their Bibles on their phone, and, that, and that's fine. You can get a text message from God, and, and, and that's how God communicates to us is through His Word. You've got to have that relationship. Paul said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Now, some people think that this is talking about the rapture of the church. This is not talking about the rapture of the church. This is talking about His resurrection. What happened when Jesus was raised from the dead? By faith, I was raised from the dead. Not sometime in the future, but the moment I got saved, the moment I accepted Christ, I died with Him on Calvary, was buried with Him, by baptism in the death, and raised with Him in newness of life to walk out what the Spirit of God has come inside and to walk out what God has put in, to walk in a newness of life, to know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. It goes back to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, which we just quoted. In the mind of God, when Jesus died, we died with Him. But we didn't die in a literal sense. We're still alive. Okay? 
but we have to be made conformable unto his death. Paul put it this way. He said, I die daily. He said in another place, he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and died for me. Now, we're to be made conformable unto his death. And the only way that that can occur is through and by the Holy Spirit within our hearts and lives. But now the Holy Spirit will only work one way. And he gives it to us there in verse 2 of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. We have two laws here. You need to get these laws and understand what they mean. Number one, for the law of the Spirit of life, Number two, in that verse, we see the law of sin and death. Two of the most powerful laws in the universe. The law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, notice it again, in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. The first law that God gave was to Adam in the Garden of Eden. Don't eat that tree. Don't partake of it. For in the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. We all know the story. He partook of it. And that's where all the trouble started. And it's passed down from generation to generation. That law has not failed from then unto till now. And right on into the future till Jesus comes back. Every single human being has died except for Enoch. And he was translated. And Elijah who was taken up in a chariot of fire. Now they're the only two that I know of that did not die. Sin and death. Sin has killed every single human being that has ever lived. And the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die. And then after this it is the judgment. Now it is believed that Enoch and Elijah will come back during the tribulation period and they'll be the two witnesses and they'll be preaching during that period of time and right there close to the end of the great tribulation period God will allow them to die because the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. At any rate, that is the law of sin and death. It has killed every single human being that's ever lived. It's going to take every one of us out unless the Lord comes and raptures us out. The law of sin and death. Very powerful law. There's, there's no way of getting around it. As, as someone said the other day, you ain't getting out of this world alive. You just ain't going to do it. Not in this flesh. Unless the Lord raptures us. And blessed is this generation because I believe we're going to be the ones that get took up. Amen. All right. So that is the law of sin and death. We're all born with the sin nature. We all have it. It's in our bloodstream. It's passed down from generation to generation. There's no way of getting around it. That is a law. 
All right. The second law here is the, the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life is more powerful than the law of sin and death. Well, how do you get that? Because Paul said it has set me free from the law of sin and death. All right? Now, we all got on the bus this past Sunday, went up to see Miss Townsend. And we were up there, I believe it was on 540. Terry made mention of this airplane that was flying over a huge plane. And to look at that thing, I mean, it's absolutely huge. I mean, it, there's, God only knows how much that thing weighs, thousands and thousands of pounds. I, Brother Jimmy, I don't think you can pick it up, really, if you went over there and tried. I, I don't think you've got a chance. Now, Terry may have, but, uh, but that plane was built under the law of gravity. They didn't build it up here in the air. They built that thing under the law of gravity. Now, that plane was built to fly, but it is held in bondage to the ground by gravity. Okay? Now, the law of flight is greater than the law of gravity. Because if certain conditions are met, that plane can defy the law of gravity. And here's the law of flight. Now, I don't know what all goes into it, but I know this much. That airplane's got engines on there. And if they get up enough speed, okay, and they get enough um, draft up under them wings... Get enough air up under there, that airplane can fly. Those are two conditions that have to be met. And that plane can defy gravity. All of us are bound by the law of sin and death. But there's another law more powerful, and it is the law of the spirit of life. And it works under one condition, and that is faith in Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. If your faith is in Christ, that power is there to get you up to speed, to generate enough air under your wings, and you can fly. What are you saying, Brother James? I'm saying this. I'll fly away one day, and the cross of Christ made it possible we're all bound by the law of sin and death but the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus we put our faith in but let me also tell you this if that plane takes off and it's flying and those engines go off what's going to happen if the air uh, is not right under them wings one of them wings falls off you know what's going to happen so certain conditions have to be made. Certain conditions have to be maintained. 
in order for that plane to stay in the air. And in order for us to defy the law of sin and death, we have to put our faith in Christ and we have to keep it maintained there. And then the law of the Spirit of life, the way the Holy Spirit works, then it will work within our hearts and lives. All right. Verse 3, Romans 8, verse 3. For, the, for what the law could not do, what could the law of Moses not do? latter part of this verse says, condemn sin in the flesh. The law condemned the individual. The law couldn't condemn sin. It condemned the individual. Why? Because it was weak through the flesh. The law of Moses demanded obedience. And the flesh had to carry out and perform to do or not to do. And, of course, you know this flesh is in a fallen state. Jesus said spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You look down in verse 8, Romans 8, verse 10. Romans 8, verse 10. He said the body is dead because of sin. Dead is dead. You, you can't get a dead man to do anything. All right, go back up to verse 3. Romans 8, verse 3. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. God reduced himself down to a man in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The sin nature had to be addressed. The sin nature had to be shut down, rendered ineffective, put to death before Romans 8 and verse 4 could take place. Look at that, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That's the will of God right there. That's the will of God for your life. For us to live a life of holiness and righteousness unto the Lord. But I want you to notice how it's done. It is fulfilled in us. It's not us going about doing or not doing certain things externally. It's an inward thing that takes place within our hearts and lives. Paul said, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Walking after the Spirit means that we're meeting the conditions of the law of the Spirit of life. What is that condition? Your faith has to be in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. If that condition is met, then you're walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. All right, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh, that's trying to live for God by our own self-efforts, do mind the things of the flesh. That is so true. Because for years, my living for God had to do with doing this and doing that. It always left me wondering, have I done enough? And I heard a preacher some time ago over radio he said, I want to hear the Lord say to me one day, well done, good and faithful servant. And I hope and pray I've done enough that God will let me into heaven. 
Now, what's wrong with that statement? Does anybody in here know what's wrong with what he said? Where was his faith? His faith was in works. His faith was in his flesh, doing and not doing. Now, what is the condition of that man? That man's under condemnation. And he knows it. Because he's constantly wondering, have I done enough? I sure hope I've done enough. You can't do enough to save yourself. You can't. You can't. And so we have to be careful with that. Yes, we're to do good works, but we don't do them to get saved. We do them because we are saved. I breathe because I'm a human being. I don't breathe to become a human being. I eat because I am a human being. Because I like it. You understand what I'm saying? So you do good works and all because you are a Christian, not to become a Christian. I think sometimes we get things... Now, now these, these disciplines are very important as it pertains to your Christian growth. If you're walking after the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to direct you to read His Word. He's going to direct you to prayer. He's going to direct you to church. He's going to direct you to certain people. At the same time, He's going to pull you away from this one and that one and, and, and so forth because there's certain people that are bad influence on you, see. So, um, the Holy Spirit does that in your life as you... Keep your faith anchored in, in Christ. The Holy Spirit will do that. And let me give you some scripture for that. Philippians 2 and verse 13. Philippians two thirteen. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's God working in you. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. He works in you both to will. Before I got saved, I could care less about the church. Now that I'm saved, I want to be in, in the church every time the church doors open. He gives me the will to listen to godly music instead of the old ungodly stuff I used to listen to. See? Both to will and to do, the website we just created. That wasn't just something that popped in my mind. That's what God wanted me to do. He kept, he kept working on me and dealing with me. Both to will and to do of His good pleasure. See, That's the Holy Spirit working inside, which is the same thing as grace. The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. And so... And we've either placed ourselves under the law, we're either trying to live for God by doing certain things, or we're either living for God by simple faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit is directing our path. And Paul constantly says here, not walking after the flesh, but after the Spirit. After the Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit is up front, and I'm back here following Him, which means that I'm yielding. I am, I am choosing to fall after the Spirit. Um, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now, some people give a mental assent to salvation. They give a mental assent to what I'm 
telling you here tonight. They, they can tell you about Romans 6, 7, and 8. And they can explain it maybe better than I can. But it's not affecting their life because they've got a head knowledge and not a heart knowledge. That's why Romans chapter 7 is something that has to be experienced. And I was talking to someone today. Romans chapter 7 has to be more lived than preached. And really, you can't preach it unless you've lived it. Unless you've been through it. And you can't get to Romans chapter 8 empowered by the Spirit unless you've been through Romans chapter 7. And somebody asked me today, well, Brother James, how do I know that I'm through Romans 7? How, how did you know, Brother James, that, that you done gone through Romans chapter 7? Let me tell you this. As long as you're in this flesh, the Lord's going to show you something else. I used to have a problem with this. The Lord helps me overcome that. Boom, he shows you something else. And if you don't follow what God has laid out here in his word, you're going to be tempted to walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. You're going to take your faith away from Christ and what he's done and put your faith into something that you're doing. And the church is full of this scheme, that scheme, purpose-driven life. It's full of 40 days of this and, and 12 steps to that. All, every bit of that is law. Every bit of that is law. And, and, if, and if you try to go after that way, Paul already told us in Romans chapter 7, the sin nature is going to revive and you're going to die. You want to know why a lot of churches is dying? Because what I'm teaching right here in Romans 6, 7, and 8, the church don't understand it. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.